not follow a liturgy, so we allow the Holy Spirit to share things. And uh, I'm so glad that, that we do that because I believe that each one of those folks spoke to your heart, and um, it's wonderful. Open your Bibles to uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians, the fourth chapter. We are, uh, I, I just, I got stuck on the fourth, fifth, and sixth verses, and we're just going to do the first part. Uh, we're going to do the first four words of verse six, <laughs> and then we'll carry on with the rest. But I'm going to speak to you this morning about our release our release, our freedom that comes in Jesus. And uh, let's just read verse 4 because it's where it basically starts. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation or gentleness be known to all men for the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Wow, that's a tall order. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray. Anxious for nothing, in everything pray. So but we want to talk about our release this morning. We've been talking through these verses about our walk, our worship, our attitude last week, and we're going to talk about a release today, which is a release really from fear and worry and anxiety and pressure and things like that. There is a great benefit, great benefit, to living a life of rejoicing, living a life of joy. We talked about that uh, in the past couple weeks. Living a life of moderation, free from care. There's a great, great benefit in life for that. And if my heart is filled with joy, that's going to cover my entire color, my entire life. Because the word says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. Does good like a medicine. Wow. A joyful heart does good like a medicine. And so we need that. Because so many things in life can get us disgruntled, can't they? It can just, I mean, life is just disgruntling, period. It's just totally disgruntling. Uh, there was, a, uh, there was a, uh, a Hindu, a Muslim, and a lawyer that got lost in the woods. <laughs> and uh, luckily they found a farm nearby, and they asked the farmer if they could stay there for the night. And he said, yeah, you can go ahead and sleep in the barn. That's fine. So the farmer went to bed, and he was on the verge of sleep when he hears a knock at the door. Slightly annoyed, he wakes up, goes and opens the door, and the Hindu is standing there. And the Hindu says, I'm sorry but I discovered there's a cow in the barn. And according to my religion, I cannot sleep with a cow. And so the farmer said, oh, well, there's a horse barn. Go sleep with the horses then. He says, okay. So a few minutes later, he goes back to bed on the verge of sleep again. Another knock arrives. He is now he's disgruntled. He wakes up and he finds the Muslim. And the Muslim said, I'm sorry, there's a pig in the barn. That's an unclean animal. And I, I, I can't sleep with a pig. And he says, oh, there's a chicken coop over there, the back room of it. Go sleep in the chicken. Okay, I'll go sleep in it. Now the farmer is really frustrated. Once more, the farmer is about to fall asleep. He hears a knock at the door. Furious, he stomps to the door, throws it open, and he sees the cow and the pig. If you don't get that, ask somebody. But in that scenario, everybody's disgruntled. Isn't that the way life is? And for the Hindu and the Muslim, it's a disgruntled of their own making. They're, we don't need to be bound by religion. But every, it, it, there's always something in our lives that are going to make us disgruntled, frustrated, anxious, nervous. 
Uh, so we need that calm of the spirit. We need the moderation. I love what the uh, writer of the Proverbs says. God, I'm asking two things before I die. Don't refuse me. Banish lies from my lips and liars from my presence. Well, how many know that would only happen right before they close the casket lid? But give me enough food to live on, neither too much nor too little, because if I'm too full, I might get independent and say, God, who needs him? Or if I'm too poor, I might steal and dishonor, dishonor your name. So give me just what I need. So what that says to me is, if you put joy together with calm moderation, you get less care, right? Am I calculating that correctly? Is the equation joy plus moderation equals less care? Really does. And when we have less care, then we have a release from our burdens, or at least a lot of our burdens, because our eyes are on Jesus now, not on the things that give us the cares and the burdens. Now, I'm not saying that we need to learn to live like hermits and sell everything, go live a life of mediocre blondness and all that. Uh, and I'm not saying we're ever going to be totally without care, because there's always a cow and a pig somewhere. There's always a lawyer somewhere. <laughs> But I am saying this, focus on the right things. Focus on the kingdom of God. Focus on giving. Focus on being a blessing. Focus on loving. Focus on pouring yourself out to the needy and to the lost. That's what it's all about. That's what we just heard the Lord basically say to us, is get your eyes on me and get intimate with me. That, that's what it's all about. I do know this, that if you want to become wealthy in the kingdom, wealthy in all ways that we could become wealthy, it will not come by hoarding. It will not come by being a miser. It doesn't come by keeping back. Proverbs 19, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will pay them back. Wow. Ecclesiastes 11, cast your bread on the water, and in many days hence, it'll come back to you. Second Corinthians 9th chapter, Paul told the Corinthians, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully, for each one has to give according to his own purpose, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God, in parentheses, based on your giving, and God based on your giving, is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, might have an abundance for every good work. Oh, hallelujah. I didn't write that, and no, I'm not taking an offering. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men pour into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. And again, we're not talking necessarily about money. We're talking about gifts, love, joy, peace, blessing. Whatever we can give out, we keep giving it out, and he will keep pouring it back into us. Now you say, well, why are you spending so much time on, on that concept? Well, because here are the two definitions for the word anxious in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. The two definitions have to do with desire and care but it's a, it's a deeper word than that, and it is desire that leads to lust. And, and again, not sexual only. I may know you can go sit in that brand new Grand Jeep Cherokee Wagoneer <laughs> with the high altitude package at $110,000. 
And it could lead you to lust. <laughs> Desire that leads to lust and care that leads to worry. Those are the two definitions of that word anxious. Desire that leads to lust and care that leads to worry. Let's look at the first one. Desire that leads to lust. It's wanting something with a feeling of unease. It's a yearning. A yearning. It's an itching. We have that phrase in English, don't we? Oh, he was really itching for that. It's this deep desire that actually commands a response in your body and your soul and your spirit. It's a desire that leads to lust. If I have a possession, a person, or a thing that I'm yearning after so hard, that, or it's a thought or an emotion that is so deep that it's causing unease in me, I need to bring it to the cross. If I have, if I have something that is consuming my thoughts... I need to bring it to the cross. If I have something that is distracting me from serving Christ fully, I need to bring it to the cross. If I can't give, if I can't share, if I can't bless even a little bit because of that thing, it's consuming me, then I really need to go to the altar. Oh, wow, it's quiet in here. Everybody, let's say amen. Or oh my. <laughs> The only thing that I should be really yearning for is Jesus. That's who my yearning should be for. And here's the, good, here's the good news. Here's the good part. If we rest in him, if we trust him, if we enjoy his presence, if we allow him to give us what we need every day to be beneficial, if we follow his spirit, the word says he will give you the desires of your heart. How many know that he never does it when you want it, though? His time is never our time, right? <laughs> oh, Lord. But he'll give you the desires of your heart. If we do not release, and, and this is what we actually, I believe we heard the Lord, because intimacy, if, if I want to be intimate uh, with my wife, don't I have to release some of me? If you want to be intimate with a friend, and I'm not talking sexually, I'm just talking emotionally and mentally, whatever, I have to release a part of who I, I have to give up something to come alongside them. So that's, if we don't do that, though, if we don't release that desire, which can turn into lust, then that leads to the next one, and that is care that can lead to worry. Care that can lead to worry. This does not mean normal care. We need to care about paying our bills. We need to care about staying healthy. We need to care about our diets. We need to be concerned about our parents, our children, our friends, our neighbors. Uh, we need to be aware and concerned about the failures of our society right now. Uh, we need to perhaps attend a school, school board meeting and yell at somebody. We need, to, <laughs> we need to talk with officials at times. We need to engage society. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to be concerned. But these, these are normal cares that we cannot allow to consume us. It's like the tree that was filled with anxiety and he decided to see a psychologist. And, and, and he told the psychologist, I don't know what to do because every year I feel anxious during fall and winter. And the psychiatrist said, well, wait a minute now, that's interesting. How do you feel when spring comes? And the tree said, relieved. I'm sorry. I say these things so you'll remember. That's the only reason I say them. See, the tree knows every year what's going to happen to it. In the fall, it's going to lose its leaves. And then guess what happens in March and April? The leaves come back. So there's no reason to be anxious for the normal cares of life. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, 
what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to what I'm going to wear, Jesus said, because my heavenly Father knows I need those things. And if he cares for the sparrows and if he cares for the lilies of the field, guess what he's going to do for one of his sons and daughters? So I don't need to be cared. I don't care about those things. I don't care if balloons are flying over us. Big deal. I don't care if they drop whatever they drop. It doesn't matter. Because if the Lord wants me to go home, he'll take me. And if he doesn't want me to go home, I'll survive a nuclear blast. It doesn't matter. So I don't need to care. I don't need to worry. But cares can become paralyzing fear. Hmm. Uh, and... And, and it's, there are some things that I don't understand how people could even do. I have, I have uh, my, my, my youngest son's two brothers-in-law are state highway patrolmen. I don't understand that. I, me walking up to a car at 2 o'clock in the morning on a lonely highway? Are you kidding me? I would have three shotguns out already, both guns, but they do it every night. If, if they allowed fear to paralyze them, then they couldn't do their job. But I sure hope they do have some caution. I hope they have a little fear so the adrenaline's moving because we need that. So we're not talking about normal fear here. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about a paralyzing fear. Someone said to me uh, during COVID that uh, they were really afraid. But I saw them in church all the time, and I know they were at work all the time, and I know they went shopping. So I said, well, you must not have been that afraid. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's fear. We face fear. We face concerns all the time. But we don't cower in the corner sucking our thumb in paralyzation. We don't do that. No paralyzing fear. Jesus, let me elaborate what we said last week as well. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow because there's enough evil in today. Well, the implication is that we got to take care of the evil today. What he's saying is, don't try to take care of tomorrow's evil because you won't be able to do it. But we do have evil today, but we cannot be consumed by things we cannot control. We cannot indulge the flesh. We cannot allow hurt that leads to bitterness that creates a root of bitterness inside of us, a root of sickness that gives us ulcers and colitis because we're so overly concerned about that thing. And folks, doesn't this bring us back to the same thing we talked about, the joy, the calm, the attitude of rest that we can have in Jesus. If I'm so filled with anxiety that I am filled with worry, then I need to take the things to the altar and leave them there. Let me put it this way, in, in relation to our passage in verse 6. Even before you begin the prayer and the supplication, you better make sure you get out your spiritual checklist. Because you could be praying for something that the Lord's going to say, I have no power over that. Because you have consumed yourself with so many things that I can't even answer the prayer. Really? <laughs> let, me put it, let me put it this way. If I so fill my life with things, peoples, and possessions that interfere with my walk with the Lord, I don't need to pray or ask anything. Ouch. Here, here comes the ouchy, pull the band-aid off real fast part. I don't need to pray or ask anything. I created the interference, so I either live with it or get rid of it. Oh, this is a quiet sermon. Let's go back. Everybody that gave a word this morning, come back up and give us another word. Could you please? <laughs> Ow. Hmm. I created 
the desire that led to lust. I created the care that led to worry. So before I even begin to pray and supplicate and worship, I need to get rid of the desire and the care. Only makes sense. You say, wait a minute, but isn't God there to help me? Yes, he is. So let me put it in scriptural terms so you'll, so you'll believe it even more. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, 12th chapter, I'm sorry. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Enduring. <laughs> and he goes on to say, why? Because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he said. So let us do it. I've got to lay it aside. I like the way one translation puts it. It says this, no extra spiritual fat and no parasitic sins. We have to lay those aside. You say, wow, what? you were really mean this morning. Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? What is going on here? I'll give you a good example. I'll give you a good example, okay? And, and this was from when I was pastoring Christian Assembly on the south side probably 30-some years ago. So just understand that if I'm still here 20 or 30 years from now, you'll be all my examples. But, you know. No, there was a wonderful young man, probably in his 30s, great guy, serving the Lord in church on Sunday. But he was single, and he was struggling with with attraction to women, obviously, and it was difficult. And, and he shared that with me one time. He said, Pastor, you know, it used to be that you had to buy them dinner. Now they just come right up to you. <laughs> I said, oh, I know, it must be tough. He says, yeah, like last week when I was at the bar, I went, wait, what? Stop, what? You were at a bar? Well, I like to go out. No! <laughs> oh, my Lord. Can you, can you say, listen, you can pray and worship all day long, but when your feet hit that bar stool, it's all downhill, buddy. The Holy Spirit is stepping back going. <laughs> Ain't nothing I could do here. Every problem he faced with every woman could have been answered not by any prayer, but just don't start off by don't go to the bar. <laughs> is, that, is that clear? You get what I'm saying? Let's learn to release ourselves from all the self-imposed limitations that we have. Right? Let's release ourselves by the power of the Spirit from that wrong desire, from that misplaced love, from that uncontrolled emotion, from that resentment, that bitterness, that regret, that fear, that doubt, that thing. Folks, I hate to tell you so many times, it's not the devil, it's not the world. I need to be released from me. And everybody says, amen, pastor, you need to be released from you. How many times did we sing it years ago? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, right? Not my mother or my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you want to be intimate with Jesus. I want to be intimate with Jesus. That's not something that just happens when you snap your fingers. That's not just something you say, okay, Jesus, I want to be in your presence now. And he looks down and he says, you know what? I'm going to help you with this or that. I'm going to put my finger on this or that in your life. But I guarantee you, this is going to be some work now. Let's get over to the workbench, shall we? It's going to take work. 
So Paul is clear. He makes a command. This verse 6 is not a request. It's not a, it's, it, this is a command. In the English language, the word you is understood, right? He's literally saying, you be anxious for nothing. Be you, you. Be anxious for nothing. So when you go and pray and supplicate and worship, you are already coming into his presence saying, Lord, I am not going to... How many are really praying that we get off this verse? Next week, we'll be on the good part. We'll get to the peace and everything. We release it. Now, here's the good news. I believe as you stand at the brink of Canaan land, as you see victory lying ahead... Don't let the giants frighten you. Don't look at the giants. Look at the grapes. Don't look at the walled cities. Look at the milk and honey that's flowing. When you stand in front of your own walls of Jericho, know that God has a plan to tear them down. With your help, he will tear them down. Stop measuring the density of the concrete and know that our God is able to overcome. Stop triangulating the height of the walls and say with David, I can run through a troop, I can leap over a wall because God is in me. I can overcome this bitterness. I can overcome this anxiety. I can overcome this fear because God is with me. When you're in the pit like Joseph, know that the palace is coming. Don't look at the depth of the pit. Look at the height of our God. He is the God of Jeserin who rides upon the heavens in our help and is his excellency on the sky. Fear not, Moses said in Deuteronomy, O Jeserin, whom I have chosen, for I will, oh, I feel this is a word for somebody right now, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon dry ground. I'll pour my spirit on the seed and I'm blessing upon your offspring and they shall spring up like among the grass and the willows among the water. Dig the pit deeper, it doesn't matter. Stoke the furnace hotter, Nebuchadnezzar, it doesn't matter. Make the walls higher, it doesn't matter. When the king tells us to bow with bold assurance we can say no in the name of Jesus. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to feel that. I don't have to hear that. That doesn't have to come by me. When society pushes us to be a certain thing, to eat a certain thing, to dress a certain way, we can say with Daniel, our elder brother, I'm going to purpose in my heart to not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, nor with the dainties that he puts in front of me. When the society says that you should have this, or you should have that, or you should keep up with this, or you should do that, you can say, listen, I'm living first by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is my bread. This is my water. This is what fills me. This is what takes care of me first and foremost. When you, the doctor says, oh, I'm sorry, it's cancer, you can say with calm moderation and calm assurance, I serve Jehovah Rofi, who is the God that heals. Hallelujah. When the cost of eggs gets too high, you can say, my God shall supply all my need. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to fear. Hey, honey, I'm going out back because I see manna hanging from the trees. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter when your heart gets broken by this person or that person. Trust in the one who's promised to give us a new heart. When the mind gets confused, trust in the one who says, take this mind that I gave you when you accepted Christ as Savior. Folks, do you want a, a new journey in your life? I'm telling you right now, unashamedly, every day, get out your spiritual checklist and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me destroy this anxiety. I need you to help me destroy this lust. 
I need you to help me destroy this divisive spirit, this hurtful thing, this nasty thing in my life. I need you to do. I need you to help me take care of that loss, that heartache, that fear, that worry, that pressure, that lie, that lust, because I'm about to come into your presence with joy and thanksgiving, and I have a list of needs that I need you to take care of. But it all starts when we lay aside all those weights and we say, Jesus, here I am, just me. And I, I, I hate to say it, but uh, there are times, as Randy said, she said, I, I had to discover this when I was sick. I don't want to discover stuff when I'm sick. I want to discover stuff when I'm well. I, I want to discover it now. But boy, that takes a lot of spiritual energy. It takes a lot for David Verzilli to get past David Verzilli. <laughs> but God willing, we're going to do it. Amen? You said yes. We're going to believe that David Verzilli is going to get past David Verzilli. And someday he'll be just like us. He'll be at that upper spiritual level. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you neither leave us nor forsake us. You don't turn your back on us. When we're, when we're literally at times running around like chickens with our heads cut off, when we're running around shouting that the sky is falling, when, when, when we think it's all going to lead to nothing, you're still there. You're still loving us. You're still caring for us. You're still bidding us to come into your presence where there's fullness of joy. And you're going to help us every day. You're going to help us to lay aside those weights of sin. Because we don't want to be anxious anymore. We don't want to be nervous about this or that. We don't, we don't want those cares. We want to cast all our cares upon you. Because you care for us. Your shoulders carry the entire universe. So we know that your shoulders can also take my cares. They can take my worries. They could take my concerns. And I could rest. Oh, I could rest in you. And then I can come into your presence with joy and thanksgiving and say, Father, here's my petition. I'm praying for that unsaved loved one, and I'm believing you're going to save him. I'm praying for that person's physical problem. I'm praying for this difficult situation I'm in. You're going to lead me to victory. We can pray with bold assurance, clear thought, clear minds, clear hearts, not cluttered by all the junk in our anxiety. I thank you that you do that in us. and We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, let's just stand together. You know, I said it right then, rest. How, how many want to rest? I want to rest. I just, I'm just so tired of struggling and striving and fussing and fuming and worrying about this. And I just, I just to think of reclining in Jesus and just resting and say, you know what? <laughs> ah, there's another balloon flying over there. Hallelujah. Uh, cool. If I get out the telescope, maybe I could see it. <laughs> oh, it could be an EMP blast, and it could be this, and it could be, well, hallelujah, our brothers and sisters survived 1820. We will too. We'll just get to get, we'll just all get together around campfires and just sit and talk and roast marshmallows. Hallelujah. Won't be able to watch TV anymore. 
That might be a good thing. <laughs> we'll get our news like they used to. Some guy on a horse will come riding through and say, hey, did you hear what happened? Yeah, when did that happen? Oh, about eight weeks ago. <laughs> it's over. I want to rest in him without anxiety, and we could do it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Go forth from this place being intimate with your Lord and Savior and learning of him. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go praising him. Hallelujah.